Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome on in. It's another episode of NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by our friends at Wheelin Engineering here on the Motor Racing Network. On the road, in the air, and around the world, Wheelin is trusted to be seen. Trusted to be heard and trusted to perform. As always, my name is Chris Wilner, MRN Pit Reporter here on the Motor Racing Network at the home of MRN here in Concord, North Carolina. we got a great show coming up for you. Plenty of racing here as we hit the months of money. We'll recap Slinger. We'll talk about the Modified Tour, Arc Menard Series, and a thriller at Mid-Ohio. Oh yeah, lots of racing coming up as well, including all the way in the state of Montana. The Montana 200 will have Levy Jones, up-and-comer in the Super Late Model Ranks, join us to preview that big race, of course, coming up as well this weekend, the Redbud 400, and much, much more. But we've got a special guest, and he's sitting right next to me. His name is Rob Blount, Flow Racing content, uh, content creator, I guess I should say, right? <laughs> we still don't know. You travel all over the place when it comes to NASCAR roots racing on Flow Racing. We can't, uh, we can't thank you enough for joining us. Kyle, Ricky's playing hooky. So we'll just forget about him. He's getting busy with Stafford and SRX and all that stuff. But Rob, we're uh, what midway through July, just about. Yeah. And it's hard to believe we're about halfway point. I guess if you look at it holistically in the short track racing world, how exciting has 2023 been just as a whole from your perspective? You get to travel and go to a lot of these races. It's been fantastic. It's hard to think that we are already halfway through the seventh month of the year at this yeah. point. Uh, there's been. <laughs> A lot of big moments that have already happened throughout the year, going all the way back to the dirt side in January at the Chili Bowl, all the way up to now on the pavement side. It's crazy. This year is absolutely flying by at this point. And thank you, first of all, for having me in. I don't of know course. about special guest. Guest would have just sufficed. But, but thank you for having me in. Content creator, who knows? But it's fun to be here. Thank you very much. Well, it's nice to have somebody actually here because, you know, Kyle's in Connecticut, so we do the Zoom thing every week. And it's nice to actually have somebody share this lonely studio with me. So... I appreciate you coming in. Well, let's dive into it because we've got a busy show, and we'll start with uh, the week that was, or the weekend that was, I should say. And, of course, we're talking about ARCA Mid-Ohio. We got a little of everything. I mean, we had <laughs> Tyler Ankrum get a win, which was nice, right? A former E-Series champion, Hattori Racing getting that entry in. But then we had teammates that, you know, you'd think there was team orders and friendliness going on, and Venturini Motorsports had a difficult meeting coming up. And, of course, with Sean Hingarani, a suspension as well. So let's dive into it, Rob. What did you think of ARCA? Little bit of drama coming yeah, out of Mid-Ohio. Just a yeah. touch. Uh, my goodness, the drama between Sean Hingarani and Dean Thompson there. Yeah. What a battle that they were putting on for the lead and the win with like 10, 9 laps to go. And then things went a little crazy there. Sean Hingarani gets pushed off the racetrack by his teammate, which I will say he put the bumper to him quite a few times there leading into it. Uh, but then, man. He got his payback, and he got it in a big way. And Tyler Ankrum, as you said, former East champion, but believe it or not, that was his first Arkham Menard Series victory last wow. weekend. So he sneaks through, gets the win, and that left us with a lot to talk about. It did, and, and Tyler had to come back, too. He got, you know, I don't want to say forced off, maybe overdrove turn one there, one of the late restarts, but had to drive back through several positions to get the win. So that was impressive. And then, of course, the last lap crash where Hingarani just came back and 
dump Dean Thompson, of course, her feelings were hurt. They're probably still a little hurt. But again, the big news is, is that's going to affect Sean when we go to Iowa this weekend with the East series because he's the points leader, but he's going to miss the race. Yeah, uh, obviously suspended uh, for his actions there. But as you said, it's a combination race. It's not just the Arkham Menard series at Iowa this weekend. It's an East race as well. And missing that, that's going to gonna hurt him a lot. It's going to put William Sawalich uh, in a great spot to come out and now steal this championship. Absolutely. And he came came in or comes into this weekend, I should say, second in the East points, and he's going to you know really have a leg up coming up this weekend, but finished second at Mid-Ohio too as well. So uh, we we failed to not mention his name every time we talk about Arca because he's doing so well. But, uh, of course, that's going to you know help him moving forward. Jack Wood, a career best third place finish as well. Good for Jack because, man, I... I feel for him sometimes. Like Phoenix, he was so close, kind of got taken out in that one. You feel like Jack Wood's going to break through, especially on the Arca side of things. I know the truck series, kind of moving back to part time, has been a little bit difficult, but for Jack Wood and Arca, I feel like the time's coming for him to get a win with uh, Rev Racing. I think you're right. It has to happen sooner or later. The crazy thing is just how strong and consistent Jesse Love has been, and with his four wins already, that's taken away a lot of these opportunities for some some of the guys like Jack Wood to go out there and get these wins, but I think it's happening sooner or later here. And, sooner and, than later, I should say. And to your point, you know, championships is about coming back from adversity. Jesse Love had a fuel pressure issue, but still drove back to fourth. So he still has a solid lead on the Arc Menard series schedule. Frankie Muniz is still there. He finishes sixth. So top 10 after top 10. What do you like about Frankie? I mean, I feel like we've Prove, we've disproved that you know Daytona all that was a fluke he's a race car driver and he's really good yes and how cool was that for him to come out of mid-ohio with a really strong finish knowing that that was the place that almost ended his racing career a bunch of years back crashed hard suffered a pretty bad injury didn't yeah. race for a really long time until this year until going to Daytona and running so strongly there uh that had to be really special for Frankie to walk out of there with his head held high, knowing I just scored a top 10 in my return here. This track didn't beat me a bunch of years back. Absolutely. So lots of good stuff out of mid-Ohio. Some dramas we just documented. But again, it all uh, we'll get back on track this weekend, Saturday at Iowa, the Calypso 150. We'll preview that race here at uh, the flip side of, uh, in segment number three. But let's move on to the Modified Tour, something you're familiar with. You're actually going uh, to New Hampshire here to cover the Mod Tour this weekend. But let's talk about Wall. I mean, one of the coolest short tracks, Wall Stadium Speedway. And again, you talk about rough and tumble. There was several incidents, including oh, yeah. Matt Hirschman early on getting taken out by Doug Kobe. So what did you like about that uh, modified race this weekend? As a race fan, I loved everything about Saturday's race at yeah. Wall Stadium. Wall Stadium is one of my favorite tracks that I've ever been to. Some of the best races I've ever seen, most memorable races I've ever seen have come at Wall Stadium. Uh, and this one really was no different. Now, if you ask some of the racers, I remember I tweeted halfway through the race, wow, this race is wild. At the end of the night, I get a reply tweet from Eric Goodale, uh, and he said, I think you forgot the word joke there. So the racers weren't so happy about sure, it as sure. we were. But as you mentioned, Matt Hirschman gets taken out running for third in a battle with Doug Kobe. Doug Kobe's fighting for the lead and the win with Ron Silk. He gets taken out by a lap car, Anthony Nocella, who, by the way, was making his first start of the season, so he didn't really make anybody happy, do himself sure, any yeah, favors there. Yeah, but yeah. And then you had that fantastic battle between Ron Silk, Justin Bonsignor. It's not the first time we've seen it this year. They yeah. were leaning on each other at Riverhead back in May, and this was basically Riverhead Part 2 there for them. But this time, Silk came out on the top end of it. Uh, two straight wins for Ron Silk, two wins in a row at tracks that he'd never won at before between Riverhead and Wall. 
uh, he's absolutely on fire right now as we head into New Hampshire this yeah, weekend. Yeah, we had Ron Silk on uh, last week, and he was talking about, you know, kind of almost a little bit of a surprise for him winning at tracks that he's not normally good at. So I feel like that's kind of scary if you're a tour driver, right? If you have a guy who's not confident at tracks that he hasn't yeah. gone to but still wins, championship certainly is going to be, uh, I think it's still going to go down to the wire, right? When you look at Justin Bonson, you're in the drivers up at the top end of the field. But how about that bump and run, though, the pass for the win? Did you like that? That's just wall stadium racing, yeah, right? Yeah. And, you know, and you, you listen to Justin as he gets out of the car and he wasn't too angry about it. it he's mentioned that they're, they both are friends and it is very hard racing between the two of them. And at some point you're wondering as a fan, have they crossed the line? And so far, when you listen to both of them speak, that neither one of them has yet. It's just very hard. Short track racing. Listen, Modifieds have bumpers and metal bars all the way around them for a reason. And. They're putting them to use, these two guys, lately. They are. Now they go to the Magic Mile, so a little bit bigger of a racetrack, of course, paired with NASCAR Weekend in New Hampshire. We'll talk about that coming up as well. And then wrapping up kind of our big three from the weekend, and it actually happened yesterday before we recorded the show, Tuesday night, the 44th Annual Slinger Nationals. And if you haven't been, I haven't, so I'll go ahead and attest to that. I, I want to go after watching that race because – Ty Majeski gets the win, and of course it's his third, first driver, I think, to go back-to-back there at Slinger. But aside from that, the racing just all weekend and the star power that goes to Slinger just was so cool to watch. Slinger is a very cool place. It's a place that is, at this point, the top of my bucket list that I want to get to. Uh, You've got a ton of super late models on a quarter-mile high-banked racetrack. The place was sold out last night, which was awesome to see. I mean, there were people as far as you could see it looked like. And then the racing there is just fantastic. And Majeski went out and does what Majeski does best. And that's take a victory away. And and I feel for Luke Fenhouse. He absolutely dominated that race and loses it on the last restart there. But that's Ty Majeski for you. You can never count him out. No, you can't. And we've had, you know, Bubba Pollard on this show before. And they say literally every time I show up and Ty Majeski's there, you know you're going to have to get through him to to get the win. So uh, Ty Majeski, again, does it in a super late model. And of course we're on the heels of the red bud 400 with the uh, stars national tour. So, I mean, the momentum is there and, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens up at Anderson this weekend, but really good stuff from slinger. How about some of the NASCAR drivers that, that moonlighted that race as well. I think chase Elliott was the highest finishing cup driver with a sixth place finish. But why do you think, especially those races, it brings guys like Chase. And we even saw Brad Keselowski enter a race last year. I know Daniel Suarez was supposed to run up in Barry, Vermont at Thunder Bowl. He may come back. We'll see after that race was postponed. But why is now you find more maybe cup drivers trying to cherry pick some of these races? I think it's the Kyle Larson effect. Everybody yeah. has seen what Kyle has done on the dirt side, running all these races and, and, and listening to him and saying how just seat time in general, it doesn't matter the car, makes him better on Sunday. And now William Byron started doing that last year, started winning a bunch in super late models again, started winning a lot at the start of this season. And look at him now. He's just got his fourth win after winning at Atlanta on Sunday night. He's leading the Cup Series and wins this year, leading the points for the first time in his career. I think people are realizing it does help just getting in the seat of a race car. And you're a former racer, so you can attest to how much seat time matters as well. And the other thing is, they're all midweek races that these guys are running. So it's not uh, it, it's not infringing on anything that they're doing. They're not having to go really out of their way to go and do it. And as the, the Cup Series schedule has gotten a, a bit more, the weekend schedule is a bit more compact with less practice time. I mean, it's not a three-day weekend anymore with multiple practice sessions. They have more time throughout the week to now go and do this sort of thing. And 
they're taking full advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we see that on the dirt side too with the high limit series I'm a part of with, with Larson and Brad Sweet doing it on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night just opens that door for more possibilities. So yeah, good stuff. And, and William Byron was in the field, finished 10th. Uh, those two, him and Chase Elliott, were the highest of the cup drivers. So good stuff. Congratulations again to Ty Majeski. So lots of uh, big racing this past weekend. Of course, much more to come this weekend. Speaking of which, our guest of the week, Levy Jones, 17 years old from the state of Washington, going for a Montana 200 victory. And many of you probably are saying Montana 200. I don't know what that's about. We're going to have him tell you. He's on the flip side of the break, live from his shop. That's coming up next on NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by Whelan Engineering. Wheelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights, white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers and warning systems for the automotive, aviation and mass notification industries worldwide. Wheelan products are designed, sourced and manufactured in America and tested on site to meet the toughest industry standards. Wheelan Engineering, manufactured in America for over 70 years. We never left and we're here to stay. by Wheel & Engineering here on the Motor Racing Network. As promised, our guest of the week joining us from the race shop, 17-year-old Levy Jones getting ready to tackle the Montana 200 this weekend. Levy, appreciate you getting up early with us here on this Wednesday as we record this episode and uh, the excitement level is building for this great race. Well, how are you feeling about tackling uh, the Montana 200 Mission Valley o uh, Super Oval? It's a unique racetrack, so what can we expect coming up this weekend? Yeah, uh, first off, thanks for having me. I'm a uh... Hopefully we have a lot of fun on this. And uh, yeah, this track is really, really interesting. It's one of those that takes a lot of um, manipulation as a driver, just because you're each corner is different. So it's a lot of um, it's really difficult to navigate, but it also makes it a lot of fun. It makes it a driver's track. So it's uh, it's just really fun to drive. And um, yeah, I've been both me and my teammate Grant have been really, really excited getting up to this race. It's a it's a big one. It's our home track. So we're really really pushing hard for it what would you say this track compares to for some of the fans that are are watching and listening that aren't familiar with the mission valley super oval hmm. that's a hard one because i don't know if it really does compare to anywhere because it's a short track but it's built like the bigger tracks because it has a dog leg so it's really hard to compare me and my teammate talked about it and we're just the only one we could even think of is a smaller version of i think we were talking about concord but other than that it was just so hard to compare to because you're diving way low into turn one you let it float up through one and two and then you're back down to the bottom coming in two so it's just so hard to compare to other tracks what's the preparation level like for you when you go to a race like this obviously you know we talk about in the summer months is we're kind of in that stretch of of the months of money right like between the montana 200 there's stuff on the east coast that are paying big bucks and obviously you're in the midst of a full season so what what extra preparation do you have to take in going to an event like the montana 200 oh yeah we're taking we have had to spend the last four weeks preparing for it you know everything from just cleaning the cars to toolboxes all the little things that nobody thinks about you know it's um We've just had to do so much with the little stuff and just making sure the team's all right. You know, all the crew guys know what their jobs are, know what to do, what to expect for the weekend. It's really um, the little things is what everybody forgets. And I think when you add up all the little things, that's what makes it into a winning 
race day for the team. So it's uh, there's been a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes with that of just little things that you got to prepare for, you know, even little things like just drinking water the week before and preparing that kind of way as a driver is hard. That often gets overlooked. So I appreciate you saying that. Sometimes us drivers, as a former driver myself, you need a reminder to be hydrated. So definitely. And like you said, very easy to forget about, especially on those hot days. But uh, Levy, as a 17 year old, you've been running late models just for a couple of years now. Uh, Your teammate that you mentioned, Grant Thompson, went out and won the prelude to the 200 uh, just last weekend. How much do you lean on him and his experience to help you prepare for a really big race like this one? You know, I've actually been leaning on him a lot just because he has more experience than me in a late model because there's still so much you can always learn from somebody else. So I've been leaning on him a lot just for basic racing experience with late model. You know, I'm still learning the um, the closed wheel racing. I come from Legends, so it's all open wheel stuff. You can't touch tires, but it's um, I've been having to learn how to do that closed wheel racing stuff. That's uh, It's a little bit harder, but I'm liking it a lot more. You know, there's a lot less risk involved. So I'm having to lean on him just for a lot of different stuff. And it's nice to have a driver that's not me that I can talk to and kind of go differently with stuff because he'll drive the track different than me. So maybe he'll have a corner that's faster than me. It's just it's nice to have somebody that I can bounce ideas off of. Rob mentioned kind of the the young part of your career still kind of getting acclimated to everything. Let's go back. How does a driver from the state of Washington get started in racing. Obviously, you're a third-generation racer, but take me back to what got you involved with the sport, and then here we are just just a few you know years later, and we're talking about running one of the biggest uh, high-paying late-model races uh, throughout the year. Right. So I started racing when I was right around seven, and I um, – so when I – I was going to a county fair at my local uh, – just local fairgrounds, and they had a booth for a quarter midget ride day. If you're from quarter midgets, pretty much every track had one. Yes. So I went to that. Oh, yeah, you probably remember it. And um, so we went to that ride day. And my family had been in racing forever, but my dad had kind of gotten out of it for a while. So it was never really a thought to put me in a car because you never think you could put a seven-year-old in a race car, right? So when we went to the ride day, we're like, oh, he can actually race. So we, once I get in the car and I'm actually – they kind of realized I'm actually decent at it. So it was kind of cool to finally get in a car. And then from there, it just kind of spiraled into this now where it's just going crazy racing all the time. But yeah, it was just, it's uh it was a long journey of starting out from just seeing it out of fairgrounds to now this. So going from all of that to now this, multiple legends championships, state and regional championships, you've won uh, track titles at South Sound Speedway, throughout your career, but you're still looking for that first super late model win. As you go into a crown jewel race, do you think that that first win could come this weekend? And how awesome would that be to score that first super late model win in the Montana 200? Yeah, I mean, you never really know what can happen in a race, right? It's uh, it's just one of those deals with racing. But with, um, you know, I'm racing with Racing Dynamics and Travis Sharp, so that chance of winning is always going to be higher with him. So it's uh working with him has been a lot of fun. So it's, um it's going to be a good deal. I think, I think I have a really good shot at winning or at least contention of winning, you know, really good chance of a top five. So I think that'll be really good for us and the team. And um, if I could win, that would be amazing. You know, having that checkup on the wall is something that every driver kind of aspires to. 
Absolutely, for sure, in, in any crown jewel race. But I know the Montana 200 is, is huge, you know, in your neck of the woods. And for the, for those of us down here, right, we're in the southeast. So we talk about, like, you know, some of the Cars Tour stuff and, 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 the, and the big races down here on this part of the country. But for the casual fan who's tuning in, what makes the Montana 200 so special? It's 32nd year running, so it's got a storied history. But for the drivers that have grown up in that part of the country, what makes this race so special? Yeah, so... The one thing that I think is really special about the track is just the scenery around it. You know, you can go into turn three and it's just a wall of mountains behind it. And just everything to do with Montana, you know, you're just minutes away from Flathead Lake. So, you know, I've been on the lake a couple of times already coming up to the race and just having fun doing that. It's a Polson's really nice area too. So running the Montana 200 is just one of those things that you can't compare to anything else really. Yeah, you can compare it to other 200 lappers and that sort of thing, but this one's just different. I think just for the scenery and where it at, where it's at, you know, Montana's hard to beat, really. Well, on that sort of topic, you mentioned that you compare the track to kind of Concord Speedway down here, which I remember being a very rough and tumble racetrack. But for fans that have never seen this race before, what should they expect out of 200 laps here? The um. You can expect a lot of different stuff. I think this track is very hard for side-by-side racing just because you're running so much speed through the dog leg that it's very hard because going through those corners, neither driver really has a groove. So it'll be really fun to watch the side-by-side racing. Plus just the, I think the mental and physical wear on the drivers. I don't know why, but this track for some reason wears a lot more on drivers, I think. So that's always something that's kind of interesting to watch, you know, at the halfway break. How are the drivers doing? Because I remember last year I was worn out after about halfway, but um, luckily I was able to push through it. But it was very, uh, it was very hard. It's a very hard mental race just because I think that running a late model going around a dog leg can be a really hard thing, I think. But yeah. We need to, we need to clip that part right there because I think some of those folks out there that don't think race car drivers are athletes, you just proved the point that, you know, these guys are falling out of the seat at some of these racetracks. So physical fitness and, and as well as mental fitness is is a key point. Um, I also want to ask you, too, just long-term goals. Like, we have a lot of youngsters on this show whose careers are either just starting or still in the early points. I mean, again, 17 years old, the future is bright. Where do you see yourself here in the next three, four years as you get more experience in the super late model? Obviously, I, I'd like to think probably the top series of NASCAR is probably everybody's goal. But what is your your dream, I guess, in this racing career as, as we look down the road? Right. That's kind of every driver can say they want to make it to Cup Series, obviously. So it's kind of a, it's one of those deals where I could say the same thing. But really, my goal in racing is just to make a career out of racing in whatever form that is. You know, I just. I keep, uh, I talk with Travis Sharp too. It's always like, I love racing so much. I can't get out of it. You know, it's like pulling the needle out of your arm almost. And it's, um, it's just one of those things. I have such a hard time going away from it. You know, it's so, it's become such a big part of my life that I just love it that much. But really, I just want to make a career out of racing in whatever form that is. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Here for Ryan Blaney, four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak.
the deal. Well, uh, before we let you go, also want to kind of catch everybody up to speed about this race and some of the particulars of it. Obviously, 200 laps. It's going to be a great show this weekend out there in Montana. Who are some of the other names, I guess, that you're going to have to basically go through to get the win here? Obviously, uh, we know you've got a really good shot with this team in, in the 92 car that you're going to run that's sitting right behind you. But who are some of the names you're going to have to battle that you think it's going to come down to here when we get to the end of the race? Yeah, I think... Um... Obviously, my teammate, Grant Thompson, he's got a lot of experience in late models, too. So it's going to be – I think we'll both be right there. There's going to be a lot of other drivers that are um, right there with it, too. Um, I believe the SRL race got canceled, so we might see – I've heard that we'll see a few of those drivers from the SRL series come up, um, as well as just a lot of local guys. You know, there's um, there's drivers that come out and practice all the time at Mission Valley that are really fast there and have been wanting to win that race for a long time. So I don't think you can really point to any one driver for this race just because there's so much, so many different variables that go into this one. But you'll see, I think a lot of the SRL drivers will be very competitive there. You'll see uh, Northwest Super Late Tour drivers that are also going to be very, uh, very stout in this race. It's just this one is one where you just can't really point to the who the winner is going to be, you know. Yeah, for sure. And that's what makes these Crown Jewel events so exciting. So, Levy, congratulations on all the success leading up to this. Best of luck this weekend. Hopefully, we're sitting right here and you can have that big check behind you and you can show it off uh, after this weekend if you can get that first uh, big win here in the Montana 200. Yeah, no, that'd be awesome. That'd be cool. I'd uh, I'd love to support my sponsors and that sort of thing, you know. I love this life and uh, Kevtron especially. Just with how much they've helped me, it'd be really cool to see that check up on the wall for them. Absolutely. Well, best of luck. Go get them. Again, that race this weekend, you can watch it on Racing America. The Montana 200 at Mission Valley Super Oval. Lovey Jones, congratulations again on all the success. Best of luck this weekend. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. That was Lovey Jones. Again, Montana 200 this weekend. Coming up, we're going to talk a little news and notes. And Rob, plenty of racing this weekend in addition to the Montana 200. We'll tackle it all on the flip side of this break here on NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by Wheelan Engineering. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights, white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers and warning systems for the automotive, aviation and mass notification industries worldwide. Whelan products are designed, sourced and manufactured in America and tested on site to meet the toughest industry standards. Whelan Engineering, manufactured in America for over 70 years. We never left and we're here to stay. conversation with Levy Jones, a star in the making, Rob Blount. What did you think? I mean, well-spoken young man. Haven't met him before, but certainly a driver I think a lot of people have their eyes on when it comes to the Montana 200 this weekend. Extremely well-spoken kid. You and I both speak to a lot of young drivers. Yes. Everything that you do yes. at Millbridge Speedway throughout the week uh, up there. Uh, sometimes younger teenage drivers can be a little bit difficult to get a lot of a lot of words out of in their answers, and Levy Jones was fantastic. They're very well-spoken, and you look at his resume, He's doing a lot on the racetrack as well, and I think he's going to have a good running at the Mission Valley Super Oval. That's a very cool race, uh, and the way he described racing in Montana and just how beautiful the backdrop is, he had me sold. I want to get up there right away. I was about to say, between his description and the fact that one of my favorite shows is Yellowstone and getting to check out the, the, the Montana scenery, 
I'm ready to book my plane ticket. I wish I wasn't busy this weekend. Otherwise, I'd probably be heading up there. So good stuff again with Levy. Appreciate him for joining us, and, and uh, best of luck. Again, Montana 200 coming up this weekend. That's on Racing America. Some news and notes before, Rob, we get to the schedule this weekend. The big one coming up or coming out just yesterday, devastating pictures from the state of Vermont, especially in the Barry area where Thunder Bowl, Speed Bowl is. They're going to have to postpone their big race coming up, uh, major flooding, and that was the yes. gov- Governor's Cup coming up. It's now going to be July 27th. I'm glad it's postponed, but certainly we're just thinking about them because that racetrack, according to the owner, was underwater as of yesterday. Yeah, and if you've ever been to Thunder Road Speed Bowl, it's uh, it's really hard for that to be underwater because it's up way up on a hill yeah. there. So uh, the the town and, and really the state of Vermont, it's throughout a lot of the state. It's not just Barry, Vermont, but especially the town of Barry has gotten hit really hard. I think I saw on Twitter the other day that they're in the midst of a thousand year rain event they've gotten so much rain over the last week and it still wasn't really showing any signs of letting up uh it made plenty plenty of sense for them to cancel it's unfortunate i know they had daniel suarez on tap to run this week uh leading into the nascar weekend at new hampshire as they always bring in a cup driver to run uh, their governor's cup race it's one of the biggest events of the year for them aside from the milk bowl in october uh but they had to Focus on, A, getting the track yeah. dried out, getting the town back in place. They have SRX coming next week as well. That's a major, major event for them. But at least the they'll still run the Governor's Cup. It'll just be a couple more weeks of waiting. Yeah, and it's actually going to be exactly a week from SRX too as well. So they're going to have back-to-back really big events up there at the Thunder Road Speed Bowl. And again, we're just uh, hoping for a speedy track recovery, make sure everybody's safe up there, and uh, we'll get back to racing here shortly. Of course, that also is the home of one of our MRN colleagues, Dave Moody. So I know he was planning on going up there, but maybe he can get back. We'll see how that coincides with his schedule. Uh, And you also pointed out, too, as well, uh, I know before we got on air here when we were kind of planning the show, the NASCAR National Championship, the weekly national championship that we saw Lane Riggs win last year, I guess, what, two weeks after the fact, after a little points debacle, it's tied right now, and we're sitting seven months into the season. What can you tell us about that? I feel like, I mean, I'm not surprised, but maybe kind of surprised by one of the names in Doug Barnes. Yeah, it's it's interesting because lately the national championship has come through South Boston Speedway. And you look at last year, that was the main site for the battle between Peyton Sellers and Lane Riggs. And obviously South Boston Speedway is playing a major role in it again with Peyton Sellers being right at the top there tied with Doug Barnes. But it is a bit of a surprise to see Doug's name there. Normally, it's just been either a seller's runaway or it's been someone like Lane going immediately directly head-to-head against him. So for Doug to be up there right with him is very cool for him. It's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out. Peyton took a little bit of a hit, and that's why it's tied uh, after the or during the Thunder Road Harley-Davidson 200 at South Boston a couple weeks ago. Uh, Got back on track to get some more points, but crashed really hard. Uh, basically ran around there without a front end for like three quarters of the race. Uh, it was unfortunate for him that night, but um, it's a really interesting title fight. Hopefully we get it sorted out a little bit faster than yes, the way it was sorted yes, out last yes, year. But yes. I mean, you look at the stats, eight wins for Sellers, six wins for Barnes. Both of them have made 21 starts so far. Uh, their top fives are and top tens are pretty similar. 18 top fives for Sellers to 16 for Barnes. 
20 top 10s for both. They they are neck and neck, and this thing, I think, is going to go right down to the wire in the middle of September. Yeah, and you talked about Peyton Sellers, too, typically a runaway, but the fact that Carter Langley's thrown his name in there and has beaten Peyton head-to-head -head up at South Boston's kind of hurt, like you said, Peyton's chances. But for Doug to win, I guess it, we're basically talking about Dominion versus South Boston. And, and Dominion, we don't get, I guess, give enough love to is a really cool racetrack. But he's also been able to win at Florence as well. So kind of that yes. versatility, maybe that help him a little bit. Yes, because he's he's now won at three different racetracks. He's won at Hickory, he's won at Florence, and he's won at Dominion. Whereas you look at Seller's stats and it's South Boston and Dominion. Dominion is going to be the key here because that's the only place that they are going head to head against each other. Uh, it's historically known as being a place that's difficult to pass. The Cars Tour didn't didn't uh prove that to be <laughs> yeah. the case a couple yeah. of weeks ago yeah. they did the exact opposite there but normally it is hard to pass qualifying is very important so that's a track position racetrack which makes that battle when the two of them are head-to-head -head, uh extremely difficult gonna be fun to watch again we're just sitting here mid-july so can't wait to see what happens as we get uh, deep into the rest of the summer and of course into the fall part of the 2023 season. All right, speaking of season, here's what's a look at coming up this weekend in the world of short track racing. And of course, the month of money continues with a couple big ones. But first, the Arkham Menard Series duel with the Arca East kind of combined effort at Iowa Speedway, one of the fastest short tracks that the uh, cars will visit here this year. We talked about Sean Hingarani, Hingarani now being uh, not in the field, being suspended after the race in mid-Ohio. So who do you like going in? Obviously, I guess you're going to have to mention Jesse Love, but is there an East driver like a William Swalich that can make a make a run for it? That's exactly the name that I was going to mention was okay. William Swalich. Uh, two wins so far this year, Five Flags Speedway in Pensacola, Florida, Flat Rock Speedway in Michigan, which, by the way, if you've never been to Flat Rock, that place is fantastic. Um, but you look at Five Flags, it's a smaller version of Iowa, right? Like, obviously, Iowa is a little bit more than eight-tenths of a mile. Still a short track, but much bigger, but with its sweeping front straightaway and its sweeping corners, very similar to Five Legs, and William Swalish went out there and I think led all 200 laps yeah. there earlier this year, so I would not be surprised if he's the one that's in victory lane on Saturday night there in Iowa. Yeah, Saturday, FS2 and Flow Racing. You can watch the Arkham Nard Series, Arca East, Calypso 150. Now to the race you're going to, uh, actually tomorrow. So when this show airs, he will be on a plane up to Loudoun, New Hampshire, and then Asker Wheel and Modified Tour, the Mohegan Sun 100, the ninth race of 2023. And of course, we've talked about it too on this show before. This is a huge schedule for the tour as well, the largest in, I think, a couple decades. So some of the attrition, I think, is hitting some of these drivers, but how exciting... How excited is the tour to get back to a place like the Magic Mile at Loudoun? Uh, everybody's thrilled to head back there. For those that don't know that much about the Modified Tour at New Hampshire, this is their Daytona 500. The Modified Tour rolling into the Magic Mile in July is the same as the Cup Series rolling into Daytona in February. It means that much to all of them. So winning this race is special for all of them. Uh, but if I am everybody except Ron Silk, I am a little bit worried knowing that he's now won two races in a row and he's yeah. going to a place where he already has three victories there. Uh, but it's going to be fun. It never isn't fun at uh, New Hampshire Motor Speedway with the Modifieds, and I cannot wait to get back up there. Yeah, and it's cool. Corey LaJoy's back in the field. Of course, he won at Martinsville last year. Anthony Nacella is the defending winner. He's in the field. I think will be just his second start with the tour this year. Bobby Santos is making a return as well. The legend on pavement in the Northeast. He's back. Six-time New Hampshire winner. I mean, so we've talked about some of the names here, but how does the racing compare when we go to New Hampshire than, let's say, when we go to Richmond or some of these other NASCAR tracks? 
uh, the, uh, throughout the year. At New Hampshire, these cars have, uh, similar to the Cup Series, they have a tapered spacer put on their engines. So they run very similar to, not this past Sunday at Atlanta, because that race was absolutely <laughs> right. wild, but right. more like the first stage that we saw on Sunday in Atlanta, where a lot of it was single file, but still drafting and slingshot moves. That's what you're going to see for 100 laps there uh, at New Hampshire on Saturday evening. Uh, these cars run in a single file line for most of it and just make crazy dive bomb moves into turn one and turn three. And it it's usually comes down to who gets the best run off of turn four on the last lap to decide the win. And last year it wasn't even the best run. It was who could survive it as the top two and in, in uh, Patrick Emerling and Eric Goodell crash coming out of turn four and Anthony Nacella snuck by and got the win. So that's what you can expect to see is just a lot of, a lot of unpredictable craziness there out of them and a good show as well and obviously when nascar's in town you know a lot of these drivers kind of perk up a little bit right there's cup series drivers team owners there's xfinity uh, team owners in the garage area maybe checking it out on what's going to happen this weekend so uh, you want to perform anytime you're paired with nascar weekend i do want to ask you too as well the big john mckennedy news of that team shutting down have you heard anything of if he's going to join the tour at some point or get back behind the wheel uh, he was, the interesting thing was it came down to for this 46 car, this Goody racing car that Anthony Nacella just stepped into, uh, the, the talk was that it was between John McKennedy and Anthony Nacella and it ended up being Anthony Nacella that got the pick, uh, to take over that ride for the rest of the year. Um, if you noticed on Monday when the entry list came out for this race, John McKennedy's name was on the yeah, entry list, yeah. and he was there with the 79 car, the Middlesex Interiors racing car, which is the same team that he won the championship for last year and started this season with that shut down a few weeks ago, and he's missed the last couple races because of it. Uh, I reached out to him right after seeing that, and I was like, John, are you back? What's the deal? Right. And he said, no, it, it's I'm not, I'm not going up there. So I've heard that some things are in the works. People are trying to sort some things out. I think we will see John back before the season is out. But uh, from the sounds of it, there's still a lot of things going on behind the scenes that need to be ironed out. Just tough situation. I mean, to have a defending champion, and we know the emotion that went into that last year, and then to suddenly all all go away. I mean, that's racing's a business, yes. right? So difficult stuff. I hope to see John back again. So the the NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour at New Hampshire, Mohegan Sun 100 coming up. Uh, this weekend, and you can watch that on Flow Racing as well. The final big one of this weekend, before we get to read off some of the local stuff happening this weekend, is the 57th annual Redbud 400 in my home state of Indiana, Anderson Speedway. I spent a lot of time up there as a kid watching uh, the little 500 sprint cars and things like that, but this is the pinnacle of Midwest late model racing at the tight confines and the high bank confines of Anderson Speedway. Sammy Smith, the defending winner, but the list that is entered to this one rivals, I guess, what we were talking about with Slinger. Just the names alone. Who do you like this weekend, and uh, what can we expect here at the High Banks of Anderson? I like Bubba Pollard anytime Bubba Pollard's on the entry list for any race. Sure. So sure. Uh, Bubba Pollard there, uh, I think it's a 400-lap race, right? So there are pit stops, but there's still a lot of conservation or conservation involved for these guys. He excels at that. So. Bubba Pollard would be my pick for that race, but uh, that's just going to be a really fun race. Um, I'm excited for the ASA Stars National Tour for them to go there. If you've never seen Super Late Models at Anderson, I mean, I believe that is the race, that is the cars, and that is the track where you heard the famous fighter jets in a gymnasium line. That was what it was yes. about. It is really difficult to run Super Late Models on that tight, 
quarter mile high banked racetrack, but somehow they get it done. Uh, it's a very, very fun race to watch. And this weekend's going to be no different. You mentioned Bubba Pollard on the entry list. So is Steven Nassi, Casey Roderick, Ty Majeski, your most recent winner in the Slinger Nationals. So, And then some locals, Billy Van Meter. Don't forget about him. The Hoosier boys trying to make something happen as well. Yeah, and Billy Van Meter's tough there. He's been tough there in everything from the CRA Super Series all the way down to the CRA Late Model Sportsman Division, which is like the, the third-tier division for CRA behind the uh, Pro All-Stars, the, the Late Model Series, the Pro Late Model Series, I should say. That's... That's a tough competitor at that racetrack. That is a, a place where if anybody is going to sneak out a win that isn't a Bubba Pollard or a Steven Nassi or a Ty Majeski, Billy Van Meter is the one that would be that would you would look for to do it. Oh, gonna be fun to watch. Saturday, July 15th. So coming up this Saturday on Racing America, the Red Bud 400. And then the weekly racing on Flow is some of the best all year. And because it starts actually when this show air, is taping tonight, Wednesday, but when it airs. On Thursday, it'll be part two in the final night of the Eldora Million for the Sprint Cars. $1 million at Eldora. That's all live on Flow Racing. Uh, you, you've dabbled in some of the dirt stuff as well. Can you imagine racing for a million dollars as a short track grassroots racer on the dirt? No, the only one that has any idea what that is going to be like is Kyle Larson. Sure. Uh, and he's won three he's of them. Won on the three of them side. already. But <laughs> for all these other guys, I, I mean, last year obviously you had the late model dirt million come back for the first time since I think it was 2001 when Donnie Moran won it uh, at Eldora. All these sprint car guys were saying, "When's it going to be our turn to race for money that the late model guys are racing for?" Now it finally is their turn, and you just look at the year that sprint car racing has had. It was not that long ago. It was just a couple of weeks ago that they raced for $250,000 at Houston Speedway. You've got a million on Thursday, 175000 on Saturday in the Kings Royal at Eldora. Uh, I think, what is it, 150000 for the Knoxville Nationals? Yep. The, it used to just be the month of money. I know, now I it's know. the season of money, which is great for the sprint car guys. I'm so excited for them that they get to race in this. I, I'm so excited to watch it. I'm very excited to head to New Hampshire, but I kind of wish I was going to Eldora to watch it. I know Me you do, too. too yes. uh, some big news already broke right before we were recording with one of the potential favorites and Anthony Macri stepping out of his ride and Lance DeWeese going into it. Uh, it's going to be wild. I cannot wait to watch it. Uh, going to be so cool to see who wins a million dollars. Life-changing money. Well, I guess if you're Kyle Larson, it's just another day behind <laughs> the just... wheel. But And he just won on Tuesday night at the Brad Doty Classic, so he'll be entered as well as all the big favorites. At Eldora, again, that's on Flow Racing. SK Modified Showdown uh, kicks off before the SRX event up at Stafford, so that's why Kyle Ricky's not here. He's too busy with us at Stafford to deal with Coast to Coast. I'll never let him hear the end of that. <laughs> uh, NASCAR Pinty Series, I want, want to give them a little bit of love as well. Streets of Toronto paired with IndyCar. That's always a really cool race. I mean, so far the Pinty Tour has been really exciting. We've had drama as well with some uh, suspension, or not suspensions, I guess penalties post-race with Antoine Cameron. But what do you like about Toronto, the street course there? It's a legendary circuit. Uh, everything about it with the Pinty Series is fun. Uh, we did an article last year on Flow Racing that the Pinty Series might be the most underrated form of racing in all of NASCAR. Kyle will agree with you on that. It's yeah. absolutely fantastic. If you've never watched a Pinty Series race, you need to tune in. Uh, this weekend, the streets of Toronto. If you liked what you saw with the Cup Series in Chicago, the Pinty <laughs> Series is that on steroids. They always put on a show at every course, whether it's a short track or a true road course like Canadian Tire Motorsports Park or a street course. It's going to be wild. Looking forward to it. NASCAR Pinty's again on Flow Racing, so big to have them on the channel 
since last year. So really good stuff. Super Modifieds at the home of Jeff Striegel, Berlin Raceway. They continue their big events. Of course, we're uh, getting close to the money in the bank coming up in August. And then, of course, all the local racing you can handle between Riverhead, Jennerstown, Langley, South Boston, Bowman Gray. We talked to Burt Myers. He's back in action out there. And much, much more all this weekend on Flow Racing. Well, Rob, final thoughts before we let you go. Thanks for once again for joining us because this was awesome to kind of get a breakdown of your world since you're in, I mean, you're in it when it comes to traveling and things like that. But final thoughts about what we've seen so far this year, what's to come? It's been a really fun year, and I think what you're going to see is we're going to see, at least on the modified poor side, another championship battle going right down to Martinsville at the end there. I, I don't think that Justin Bonsignor is going to let Ron Silk run away with this thing. Uh, it's only 14 points right now, uh, and I think it's going to get a lot tighter. We've got another trip to Riverhead, which obviously is Justin's forte there, his home racetrack. Doug Kobe going for his seventh championship. He's got a little bit of ground to make up, but I think he'll be right there at the end of it. The Arca series, the Arca Menard series, has just been putting on a lot of fun races for yeah. the last month and a half, really dating back to like Charlotte Motor Speedway, Memorial Day weekend. Um, it. I think Jesse Love basically has got the championship already locked up unless he has a major collapse, but the races themselves have been a lot of fun. And that NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series National Championship yes. battle, yes. that's the one to watch because with it being deadlocked right here in the middle of July, I don't, I don't see it getting, getting there to be too much separation as we go through the season. So we know you're going to New Hampshire. What else is on your schedule? What other content things can we expect coming up on the NASCAR route side on Flow? Uh, we, we've got a lot of plans for this weekend. One of the best things about the current New Hampshire Motor Speedway schedule is that there is a lot of downtime for the Modifieds, which allows myself and Brandon Paul from Flow Racing to go and just shoot a ton of content that will trickle out as the year goes on. Uh, we're going we're gonna, to, I think, talk to some of these guys about respect. We've heard a lot of talk about the R-E-S-B-C-T. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we've heard a lot of talk about that on the Modified Tour throughout the last couple of years, and I, uh, we want to find out where exactly the line is and, and how do we know when it's, when it's crossed. Some guys said it was crossed last Saturday at Wall. Some said it wasn't. We're going to find out where that line is. But beyond that, New Hampshire this weekend, uh, the weekend after that is the Hampton Heat 200 at Langley Speedway. I'll be up there. In the throwback 276 for the cars toward Hickory the oh, weekend yes. after that. Um, then I got a week off, and then it's right back to the busyness in, in August. So it's it's going to be fun as we uh, start winding the season down, even though the temperature keeps getting hotter. Well, like Levy Jones says, make sure you hydrate because uh, <laughs> you're going to be a busy guy coming up. But again, Rob Blount, appreciate you coming in from Flow Racing. Always Thank good you to for visit having me. You got it. Anytime, my friend, you're welcome because Kyle Ricky may just play hooky again. We'll have to see. Uh, but that does it for us here on NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by Wheel and Engineering. Again, we cannot thank Rob Blount enough for joining us from Flow Racing. Of course, our producer, Pat Jaggers. My name is Chris Wilner, and of course, thank you to our friends at Wheel and Engineering. On the road, in the air, and around the world, Wheelin is trusted to be seen, trusted to be heard, and trusted to perform. From all of us here at Coast to Coast, we'll see you. Enjoy your explosive and jam-packed weekend of grassroots racing. The NASCAR season is here, and Toyota Racing is looking for clashers. Did you clash at the Coliseum with your favorite Toyota drivers? Clashing with the HOA who won't let you carve bell number 20 into your lawn. Or maybe your Tyler Reddick shirt clashed with your pants while meeting the in-laws. If you're a clasher, then we want you. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc.